So, uh, I'm recording from someone else's room right now, and it is way better put together than mine. Like, it kind of makes me think I should get my shit together as long as we are in this situation, because the recording space in your room is nice. It has that sort of looking directly across each other thing. And so in the, here, it's... The table and shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the table and shit. And here, I am just looking at a... Just a wall that feels very radio. Like, it's full of just band name stickers and little bits of art. My room is full of weapons and clothing, and that's good for making, like, a package for certain, I don't know, religious extremist groups or something, but not, uh, I don't know, it doesn't stir the creative soul as much. I've been thinking that my little recording space, otherwise known as the breakfast table, if I got some soundproofing, sort of of like the setup that, uh, that Brian Alvarez has... That's what I think I'm looking for here. We could, uh... That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. You could also more, get drunk and do kip-ups. I could get drunk and do kip-ups and, uh, probably, you know, injure myself horribly in the attempt. Um, and unfortunately, it'd only be funny for Morgan because <laughs> no one would be able to see it. Well, Anna, you're generically fit, though, and as a uh, breakdancer, or is it former at this point? I don't know. But as a breakdancer, I can tell you that that is definitely in the easier-than-it-looks category of movement. Tell that to Alexa Bliss. Well, (laughs) yes. Yes, that is in fact She's in way better shape than I am. (laughs) We can, in fact, dunk on her for that. And I can do it guiltlessly, because whatever personal trouble she has, she also has another... Digit on her month to month, week to week, and year to year paycheck. Maybe two. Maybe two. Though I guess no one's ever DM'd me Probably their penis. Once. That's definitely not something in my life. Yeah, I um, I could do without that and have uh for the most part. So that's uh that's that's something that I am eternally grateful for. I think I remember the only time I got an unsolicited like offer of nudes or anything from someone who I had not like been about with my eyes narrowed like someone was trying to sell me a free car on the fucking street like like, which police organization are you with see that happens every time my paycheck is a little bit heavier than it should be instead of being happy about it i'm thinking oh fuck was some fucking tax thing got fucked up i bet it did oh god it's like a stealth promotion is there some new task you want me to do (laughs) Am I responsible for more fucking outcomes? I, uh, I, I don't love being in that place, that sort of brain space that you get in where when fortunate things happen, you're suspicious of them. I like not to look gift horses in the mouth, certainly, but I have a natural sort of suspicion. Call it I don't know, healthy skepticism. Yeah, and it's weird because like, there are so many situations in society where it's not healthy, but you can't help but think on some level. That's how like your great-great-great-grandpa got from one cave to the other without getting skewered by a triceratops. Okay, Sabertooth Tiger, I know we didn't run around at the same time as the dinosaurs, I'm not a young Earth creationist. <laughs> or fuck, maybe I was at some point. My family was Baptist. I don't remember what kind of wacky shit they told me coming up. I'm just wondering what kind of weird-ass fucking zoo my great-great-great-grandfather in somewhere, what, in the late 1800s was running around in where they still had saber-toothed tigers. No, 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 our great-great-great-grandparents lived for like a thousand years. You know, like Methuselah or the sec- a second Bible person. That's how it works. 
I think pretty much everyone in Genesis, if I've uh, if I've got it right. I think if you do the math, like the average age for the Bible character during the whole begat thing, like somewhere upwards of like 150, 200 years or so. Didn't you go through uh, the academic Bible kind of phase? Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Uh, it's the, the the Bible itself as a book, as a story, endlessly fascinating. Uh, especially when it is read as sort of a um historical text, and like not a historical text, as in the things recorded in this book are part of history or are recordings of history, but uh, rather the things recorded in this book are oral history that was recorded you know, however many generations after the fact as it had been passed around, right? And sort of gives cool. one an insight on the people of the day. Uh, like Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be a 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th hand recording of the uh, Bronze Age collapse. Um, ah. Maybe. I might have the dates right on that. I might not. Um, but... The Bronze Age class is very interesting. I have some vaguely semi-accurate information on it from uh, Extra History, you know, one of those little topics I covered before the whole sexual harassment hobby came out. <laughs> I um I read a book about it. I cannot remember what the hell it was called, but um, the um, unfortunately, <laughs> there's this thing in history and in just a whole lot of stuff where um, you you like to f- imagine a smoking gun. Right, like the Bronze Age civilizations collapsed because of this reason, um, and unfortunately, what we do know about the time is that it was like twelve reasons, and that was you know ten too many. Ah, uh, yeah, history does like to um pull those little pranks on you. It's just, it just, it's it's fascinating, right? It's like fascinating and spooky. Just the idea of these four major civilizations just like 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 just like that um and so you want there to be one weird fucking cause that no one ever thought of but it's now unfortunately there was famine there was a couple volcanoes there was some migration of people's disease etc etc it all added up (laughs) I'm glad you got some uh, academic insight out of the whole Bible experience. During my original, like, break with religion, and I guess only break because, you know, it's stuck. Yeah, it's it's been ongoing. I was struck by one of the weirdest reasons to become euphoric possible, and I guess not inaccurate, but it almost feels petty compared to everything else. Mm -hmm. But I just hit that whole streak with Samson and Delilah and killing the thousand people with the jawbone, right? Like, wait a minute. Why is this... You couldn't do that supposed record of reality paced out like an action movie. <laughs> I mean... What is Mr. Schwarzenegger doing here in the BC? I'm trying to think where exactly I would have exited the text had I, you know, ever... I, here's the thing. I, I came to the Bible late. Like, I never read it until college, right? I was not exposed to it. I was not, you know, raised in a church going household. Um so I'm trying to think Well, wow, so you came to it like the reality the, expanded universe. More or less, yeah. Um I, I'm I'm trying to think to the exact point in the text where one 
you know, who is familiar with tropes and such might go, wait a fucking second. I think someone wrote this. It'd be interesting to try uh, to, like, play that trick with other media. Like, how how long could you pass this to a human being of middling or greater intelligence as a direct record of what happened? Like, in uh, one I of today's that... shows, which has a bit of a historical entrenchment, I think I could get about, I want to say, seven minutes in as a teenager before I said, okay, you're fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those episodes where we liked both shows. Um... Yeah, yeah, it's one it's perhaps really more nice than the other. When that happens, I don't know if it means that. I think there might be some kind of conservation between the theoretical strength and overall GDP of the economy and the strength of an anime season. Mm, because during be. the whole um, bull market, it's bull when it's it's bull when you charging upwards, right? Whatever. During the whole bull market, bulls upwards, yeah, because bulls strike upwards, you know, when they're trying to gore someone, and um, bears strike downwards when they're doing the. Thing. So that's just that, that's how you remember it. Oh, it's nice that our economic like memory devices are tied to being attacked by a vicious animal. <laughs> oh yes, it's about violence. Yeah, it's all tied to violence. It's, uh, it doesn't feel like a mistake, does it? No, it just feels like a Easter egg. I call it an Easter egg. Mm. Right. So this one, I think I would make it about seven minutes in before I said, "Oh, okay, you're fucking with me." This isn't how it went down, because mm. this one takes place in a certain, in a uh, very uh, tense moment in Japan's history. Well, at least in the first episode, it sort of shifts over to America. It's called Apari Ron Man. And it has Apari a scene. Ron Man. It's probably going to be the show of the season. It is currently my show of the season, all the stuff I've seen. And it looks like a strong season overall, in my uh, humble opinion, as a fucking acerbic radio From what host. I've seen, yeah. And considering my general dickish slant on these things, it probably means it's a very strong season. So, you know, enjoy the crop. But yes, strong season while the economy just eats rancid shit. <laughs> Like it's, it- I mean, and it's like, well, here's the thing. It's a great season to be inside uh, because literally we got two seconds into this thing. Two, two seconds, maybe like a little bit longer. Let's, 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 like, let's not exaggerate. We got maybe about 30 seconds into this show and realize, oh, this is special right here. Should we lay on that broad context? I guess we could. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not too amazingly complicated. The, uh, the whole thing is about a, um, a pretty talented, if you know, somewhat odd, uh, Japanese machinist and his um, friend, who I believe is actually just his retainer, although I could look it up, um, a samurai, right, who find their way accidentally to um, Los Angeles and- without a penny to their name, um, wanting to return to Japan. Uh, this all takes place, I think, in the Taisho era. Uh, it seems like it's taking place somewhere in the Taisho era between, you know, 1912 and 1926, either before or after World War One. it would appear. Um, like, just before or just after. And the idea is there's a Grand Prix, a steel ball run style race across the nation to New York, although cars exist, so it's not, it's not horses this time. This, this time it's cars so that we can... Uh, so we can have some fun wacky racer type uh, designs going on and such. And, you know, if you were a machinist, it wouldn't really matter if it was horses. Um, anyway. Nay, um, nay. And it's a, and it's like, you know, again, a pretty, a pretty simple premise. And they just, they're just, pardon the car pun, but they're firing on all fucking cylinders. Um in terms of the show's look, and God, it has such a look. I'll yeah, dude, like, in a okay, second. dude, dude, lay off, lay off the puns. We're talking about the decent show. So, what I want to say about the show is that it's running laps around the competitors. Like, <laughs> I, I just hope it doesn't run out of gas after the first three episodes. Oh yeah, I sure hope that it doesn't 
betray me like a darling in the Fran X mobile. It's <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing right there. You'll all understand later in the episode. So this thing, um, it's got three episodes out as of press time, i.e. when we watched it, what was that Wednesday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Wow. My sense of time has collapsed into itself for reasons I can't imagine and neither can anyone. I was just like, I don't understand. I don't think that's happened to anyone else. You're alone in that entirely. So yeah, (laughs) I Don't you feel alone? So I'm a fucking freak cranking in the corner of talking about anime. And um, (laughs) so yeah, this this kid's a young machinist. I guess it should be emphasized that he's sort of in that like... He's like two steps short of a Dexter's Laboratory kind of character. Like he's got a whole explicit Jules Verne influence. In fact, he literally reads a Jules Verne book I mean, in the He was reading from, uh, from Earth to the Moon. It was funny. While we were watching the episode, I was sort of just looking at his little workshop that he's set up in his, uh, at, you know, the sort of just palace estate, uh, castle estate that they seem to be living in uh, in Japan. I'm thinking like, oh, this is kind of like a Jules Verne thing going on here. And then, like, literally he pulls out the book by the author himself. I'm like, ah, match. It's like ah, we will not be riding the uh, the trains of subtlety on this one. Not uh, not particularly now. Yeah, it's, um, um, it's it's sort of a pure adventure story in that sense. Um, I, like it basically starts with like clear, broad archetypes and then fills them in a little with a little twist. Absolutely, and the character writing on this um, it cannot be understated how strong it is. Um, they're very voicey, very voicey. Yeah, I um I love how you in this show you can get five minutes of screen time from a character and already you know who they are, where they're coming from, little things about them, what they're insecure about. Um, his, especially um, his retainer, a uh, man named, let me look, uh, Kosame, right? Oh, Kosame, Kosame is uh, an excellent straight man. <laughs> just what a fantastical, um, yeah, straight man or yet yeah, foil to, uh, to Apare. So Apare is written as... Apare seems to be himself written um, to be on the autism spectrum. Uh, pretty pretty actually explicitly, yeah, in fact. In, in terms of his uh, notch on that spectrum, if you remember, um, I don't know, maybe an Inaho or if you're a U.S. comedy fan, uh, remember Abed from Community? Like, that sort of wavelength on these social skills to other kind of... Yeah, no, and he's written um, pretty, pretty faithfully, um, right, to sort of... Um, to how it kind of plays out, I guess. Um, what I sort of appreciated with him is that his um, he sort of has a warped sense of consequence, where you know he can he can he will absolutely grasp and sort of understand the magnitude of uh, physical consequences to things, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh man, you just pulled the emergency booster. Now we're out of gas and are going to, you know, just uh, sit here on the dead water until we, uh, until we, uh, you know, um, desiccate. No, there's a word for this. Dehydrate. Until we dehydrate to death. Right. So he can understand that, but he doesn't, um, he has a hard time wrapping his head around the, um, the social consequences of him just kind of, yeah, he doesn't see like the gravity of how certain things will hit other people. Like when he drops the line that, Oh, your, your, uh, fiance back in Japan probably thinks you're dead. And his oh yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, thank you. And I then his uh, the, come up with a uh, specific. Yeah, and his comrades Sparrow's <laughs> all and um, I like his thing where um, occasionally he's talking to an ally and has these moments. He'll be like, "Oh, you're a complex person." He's written. Um, there's uh, one thing that I wanted to sort of point out is that um, 
Uh, what happens a lot is you get a character who's sort of a half-written asshole, and sort of people will kind of just take the half-written asshole and kind of be like, oh, he's clearly, you know, written to be on the spectrum, because they don't really know what they're talking about, and sort of what's fun is running into a character who is very clearly written to be on the spectrum, and intelligently written to be on the uh, spectrum, intentionally written uh, to be on the spectrum. Like, um, it's a difference between Apara here and... Um, Oh, are we searching through a world of shitball Kujo. characters? Like, are we, oh, okay. And Jotaro Kujo. I was gonna go. I was gonna go fucking mean and talk about fucking Bing Bong or something, but that works. Oh, sure. And I mean, like, no, like Bing Bong is uh, just a poorly written character who is on the spectrum, right? Written by people who do not understand it and have not done the research. Mm. Uh, Jotaro, right, is just you know, kind of a prick, and fans sort of read him the way that they did and i oh yeah fans just decided that the clint eastwood routine means autistic spectrum disorder which i'm not sure that's how that fucking works it's it's a very holistic reading of the character to be certain and you know araki was like yeah okay whatever um okay i thought it was sort of a pissed off cowboy but you know you kids do what you're gonna do though i guess that sort of speaks to the almost desire for representation on that front like I'm always reminded of everyone's crack theory that fucking Gatsby was black in that book, which I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like he might not have played that card so close to vest that you have to invent it from whole cloth. That's what we call a pretty basic physical detail. I mean, um, there was a book I remember that pulled a bait and switch and not revealing its character, its core character was black until the end. I read it. It was called um, The Pickup. And this was this old... Uh, it was sort of like a noir book. Yeah. So yeah, this it was a Charles Wilford job, right? And the whole thing is this okay. whole depressing narrative about this guy who ends up in this completely fucked up relationship, commits a crime, goes to jail, is going to be executed. And in the very last line, you find out that in the background of his entire shitball life and fixation on this one blonde lady, etc., that he was a black guy the entire time. I was like, oh, that was, oh, that was clever. Behold, our shared humanity. <laughs> Because everything I fucking say sounds arch, by the way, this was a good book. It wasn't, like, shittily done. And I guess my way around the circuit point here is that this also feels well-realized. Of course, in a way Mm -hmm. brighter and sunnier context. Yeah. Although, um, as bright and sunny as this show is, I do very much appreciate its kind of uh, warts-and-all depiction of just the, we'll call them outdated attitudes of the day. Uh, both in America and in Japan, although a little bit more in America. Um, not that American exceptionalism at the time wasn't a horrible fucking monster that, you know, continues to persist to this day, but it was, like, way the fuck more explicit then. I mean, it's partially the balance of time. I also think that I feel like because this is a Japanese production, they can sort of nod, like, quickly at the things that are going crazy over there and expect the audience to just grok it quickly. Whereas maybe mm-hmm. with some of the Americana stuff, like okay, we need to sort of lay this scene out. Yeah. All right. Um. The 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 other thing is the fact that they spent only you know an episode or so in Japan, and this entire series is going to be taking place in America. However, it is really interesting to think about this series sort of from um thinking about the time in which it is set. Mm-hmm. Um. As you know, it's it's the Showa period, right? Not the Showa. It's the Taisho period. I think the Showa period was right after the Taisho period. You want to give the yeah, people yeah. at home a 19 blank number? 
so the Taisho period was, uh, as I said, 1912 to 1926, and this appears to be taking place somewhere around there. So the Taisho period was the second period um, of Imperial Japan. I can't remember. I think it was the yeah, it was the Meiji period was the uh, was the first period. The Taisho was, I believe, the shortest one, and then there was the uh, the Showa period, which lasted until the end of World War Two. And, you know, what you have happening in Japan at this point is just the All definitive kinds of fun end. times. Yeah, it's like it's like the definitive end of the uh, of the samurai period. Um, although I actually feel like the definitive end of the samurai period happened before the turn of the century. There might be some anachronisms happening in this show now that I'm thinking about it. Um, it's, it seems I'm like pretty sure with the sort of frenetic energy it has, I could imagine them playing fast and loose with some stuff. Yeah. Although what I what I like is um that sort of uncertainty that um that uh, Kasame is sort of uh, racked with right as he is you know a samurai samurai and it's 1912 yeah he's uh, starting to no notice longer. that you can't shit kick your way through the world outside of Japan it's it's just not a marketable skill it wasn't even a marketable skill in Japan that I could tell he had a little um, school I guess. Yeah, he had like a dojo, and it was his nice, adorable, and everything like that. But you know, he's he seems to be a man very unsure about his future, uh, which I can empathize. And you know, plays well on a nice surface level too, being thrust on this zany adventure. New adventure. Um, it's it's um it's fun and entertaining, just how well broadcasted his um his various insecurities and traits are, um. He never has to say anything. It's just just in how he acts, um, which I always do appreciate. Yeah, it's got that sort of early Disney movie thing and how what characters are is very clearly telegraphed and informs other things in a mm-hmm. in a grokable way. I guess you know uh, <laughs> you know Pixar's old shadow technique. Speaking of um, sort of the character archetypes, I guess we talk about the designs for a second. <laughs> the designs are great. The, uh, designs, the designs are, are great. Like I, we always talk about this expression: closest without going over, like going as far as he can without the thing it breaking. Real fucking close. The fucking thing was at eighteen and said hit me, and yeah, no, it was at nineteen and said hit me. Um, and and they must have been fucking drew it too, blackmailing the dealer or something because uh, it landed in a good place. In fact, I can only think of one element of these like explosive character designs where I look at it, I think it's too much. Which is, and I know it makes me a crazy person. I am fixated on this as I stare at them. But on the main character's face, he has these things on the corners of his lips. I can't decide if that's like lipstick or blood or spirit I'm energy really not sure what, what it is. What, what's going on there. Maybe he's a clown like, I have absolutely no idea what to make of it. Like, if you look up, yeah, if you look up, you know, a picture of the, uh, you know, the, the release key visuals, whatever the fuck you call them, uh, of this uh, of this series, you'll see the main characters, Apari's uh, character design, and it, it it's a lot. And I I'm fine with most of it, but I'm just absolutely confounded by the little things on the corners of his mouth. I don't know what they are or what they're supposed to be. Uh, they're if it's just like a stylistic thing, then like, sure. Sure, I, I I don't know. I know maybe maybe my ignorance is showing. Maybe they are a thing, and I just have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Maybe like this is finally the act of bigotry that forces people to put an end to us. <laughs> no, no. I just want to know if this is a thing, and then tell me. That's it. I wanna uh, because... know. Can you show me? 
Uh, but what what I do love about his and pretty much everyone else's character design, because this is a big sort of intergenerational, not intergenerational, uh, multinational, that's the word, uh, multinational cast. Oh, yeah. Um, so far we have, um, in, within the first three episodes, we have, obviously, there's an American because it's in fucking America. There's an American. You have, uh, there there is, are two Japanese um, guys. There is... One from Japan. One from France. Uh, we're literally just missing Argo Golski at this point. We've just got the cast of G Gundam. Oh, and I will be ready for that. Do you remember the like French could happen. pilot on G Gundam wielded like a sword that shot roses? It's a sword that shot roses, and he had like the fucking Napoleon hat on his gun. That <laughs> show was dumb. It's like someone who. It's amazing seeing like a world tour as written by someone who. Ignorant isn't the word but like did not really pursue knowledge of the world past high school I, I i love it like because that show and this one especially this one everyone seems to be from the street fighter version of their country yeah, yeah i can see the turbo impact influence on this one here <laughs> they really go for it part of me almost wishes that a jamaican guy would slip into this so i could see what would come out of that a guy might come out in a fucking cloud of smoke <laughs> i would not be quite sure how to react to that. I'd, I I think I'd let you react first, and then I'd sort of just, you know, kind of half-heartedly copy your reaction. That's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. On the other hand, it's 2020, so I suggest you get offended on my behalf. And that'll just give us all something to do. Like, really liven up the weekend, you know? Or... <laughs> I'm Sam. Or I could adopt the, I want to keep and my approach. job and friends. <laughs> By the way, I know we t- we're talking about like a sort of frenetic mix of elements here, and it does have that, but um, surprisingly, it actually has a good sense of how to dole, how quickly to dole these out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's paced amazingly well. I felt I uh, never felt. As though it was, like, dragging in any place or, you know, like, kind of pushing forward without me knowing what the fuck's going on. Uh, that's a that's an issue that I think um, the next show that we're going to talk about has is that, like, I was somewhat... I felt somewhat left in the dust some of the time. Clarity matters for something, and, uh... What's the thing they would say in a fucking art school? When you want something to feel chaotic, you have to be in control. I never heard that saying. I like it, though. That's, yeah, it's not so much a saying as a sentiment. And I don't know, maybe it was my yeah. old creative problem in a way. But uh, just kidding. I, I, I was born perfect. I was born perfect. It's fantastic. There was no problems. Never. Hold on. I'm going to do a backflip in this room right now. Well, this is Dan's, right? It's got the floor space. Doesn't the floor space. I actually can do one. Oh, that's that's very important <laughs> information for this racing anime Denard can do backflips. That, that's vital You data. need to know that for the context. It's important. Yeah. It seems to be implied that the guy in the fucking green Joker suit can do backflips in this one. Could could be. Uh you know, from the information that we've been able to glean from the uh from the OP. So when Sam talks about everyone being from like the Street Fighter version of our country, right? The- There's a Native American kid too. I um Oh yeah, yeah, we've got the whole. I'm not sure that I should be touching that one. I don't again. I don't feel too amazingly like qualified to uh, discuss if you know he uh, his character design, or perhaps their or even her character design. They're like um, they keep 
reacting to be being called a little boy um, almost as though they're being misgendered. I'm not entirely sure. I guess it remains to be seen. We're we're already uh, or we are only uh, three episodes in. So oh I'm yeah, not yeah, they can sure pull all kinds writing. of wackadoo shit. We'll see where uh, yeah. they card that one. Uh, but when I was talking about the Street Fighter thing. The French guy in particular <laughs> is part of a international conglomerate called BNW. Wink, nudge, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So maybe he's from maybe he's from Alsace. Oh, he has this great French bulldog. It's great. It's a little fucking like gremlin. It barks. Yeah. I don't know if it has a name. I think it probably does, and I just missed it. He also has this attendant slash implied sibling, or uh, I think it was mentioned that she's sort of his chaperone and is the um the daughter of one of the higher ranking family servants, something like that. And there's um, a fun so thing she's... where she doesn't really seem to be taking all this too seriously. She pretty much jacks a Segway. <laughs> well, yeah, they're like stupid rich. He's doing this, you know. Because it pleases him. Oh, 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 life without consequences is really something else, isn't it, darling? I think it was mentioned right before he was introduced that he had just rented out an entire wharf's worth of uh, warehouses and told, you know, the uh, the landlord that, quote, I don't care what it costs. So, like, that's, that's the character that we're being introduced to here. Yeah. Just slinging around life-changing sums of money and, uh, they're doing a lot of early build of this one character, a, um... Oh, uh, God, what was her name? Uh, Shaolin, I believe. Sha- I think it was Shaolin. Uh, I don't think there was a consonant at the end. Shaolin. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but she's from, like, this Chinese immigrant family, and she has that character design that crops up every time there's a Chinese girl in an anime. <laughs> it's just, like, they don't need to tell you. They just, yeah, it's, it is the anime Chinese like she has, person character design. Like, they throw everything on but the fucking Chun-Li loops. It's the collar on her shirt, the um, the frills that accompany, like, the frills on said shirt that, you know, sort of are around the various, you know, like, arm holes or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, the way in which her hair is sort of drawn to be um, somewhat um, bubble-like, I guess you could say. Uh, like, yeah, there's... Yeah. Uh, you could, again, like, you can always tell what they're going for in anime. And uh, her um, whole arc is... Um... Another bit of those Disney princesses. Everyone here sort of wants to see the world, except for the fucking samurai who's stuck with these people. Who just doesn't want to be here. He just wants to fucking go home. (laughs) And I do really appreciate that character archetype. Just the character who is on a grand adventure and has absolutely no desire to be on a grand adventure. It is quite relatable. When it comes to Shaoli, I remember there was one scene that tickled me because there's something wrong with me where she sort of set back in her dream because the guy who runs her auto team won't take woman racers people let her be a big oh, yeah, and, and like, i just thought wow so they went for the sexism before the racism thing this is the most woke as fuck auto <laughs> shop in 1910s america <laughs> i'm like wondering i'm going back to my fucking like social studies you know from my high school i'm trying to think of like okay who it was like in 1920, let's say this is 1920. Who did American males hate more? Ah. Did they hate Chinese people more? Or did they hate women more? That's a great research paper question. Like I would give that to a high school student and <laughs> ask them. I to love it. You could, those you two could turn it into a fucking death. position paper, just a horrible, horrible position paper. Great. Fuck it, debate team. This is why they don't let me run debate teams. 
I think what suffrage came, you know, a couple years after this, right? Like sometime in the 1920s. Have I got it right? I feel like it was in the 1920s. Like the suffrage movement had a whole lot to do with the uh, with the temperance movement. And so, you know, like, oh, I imagine that the, the block got a little hot on that one. Uh. I remember getting like way the fuck later in the United States than it did in like most of the rest. Of the world. <laughs> <laughs> like we're number one, guys. Yeah, we uh, we really we like claiming that statistic. It's a, it's a habit nation too. It's a hobby. It's a whole method. A uh, weird fact. I think it was Switzerland. Was the last uh, was the last nation? It was like Switzerland, Austria, one of those Central European nations. Was the last uh, country to grant universal women's suffrage in like I want to say it was the sixties. Are you saying they were neutral on the matter? <laughs> I, I they definitely did not like take a side um, <laughs> until you know forced to. Oh man! Don't worry, we love our Swiss viewers, listeners, whatever. All three of you. I definitely like how they do the races, the um, way that it's directed. It looks great. The I don't I, I keep abusing the word booking because I watch too much fucking wrestling, but I like the construction of the races we've seen so far. Oh, so one thing I might have a little bit of bias here for this show, um, as for a really strange kind of backwards ass and kind of dumb reason. I okay. really absolutely love. Um, stories about a large cast of characters specifically in a big race um and just sort of how the different types of kind of insane that you have to be in order to want to do this oh are you Um, one of the three humans who enjoyed rat race are you a baja uh, man what it i mean i liked it well enough it was it was a remake of it's a mad 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 world from the 60s which was also very good i think um David Niven was in that one, or am I thinking the Pink Panther? I mean, he was definitely in the Pink Panther. I think he might have been in his Mad 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 World too. No, uh, here's the mm-hmm. thing: the reason I enjoy this trope and like it's a, it's a rare one, right? There's only so many stories about this sort of thing. Is um, not because of the long and drawn out and completely fucking arbitrary podcast sequence from Star Wars Episode One, <laughs> but because of the video game based on it. Oh man, Which Pod was Racer! That awesome. thing was one of the the shit. best fucking releases for the N sixty four, and I sunk so many hours of my young life into it. I think Dude. it's actually getting re released on um, PlayStation and like the Switch or whatever. So like, yeah, man, I just got twelve. Dude, going to an arcade Fuck in yeah. your youth, walking in a normal child, walking by the machine, just reach into your fucking pocket, take out your Rite Aid sunglasses, and ask who's ready to eat some dust. <laughs> Um, so, and, like, one of the fun things about that game is that you can, you know, occasionally just throw taunts and such, you know, from your pod racer, and, you know, every character, you know, would have a, in Huttese, of course, a, like, little voice clip that plays whenever they, you know, hit a wall or died or something like that, and half the time, whenever they died, they'd laugh, so I just sort of had to figure, like, oh, so all of you are out of your goddamn minds, because you sort of have to be in order to do this, you know, willingly, um, so with that in mind, I sort of, um, became enamored of like the story about a whole bunch of really colorful, um, mad people, um, doing this horribly dangerous thing for maybe a reward that's not going to even be worth it. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. It seems like a really colorful way of committing suicide, you know, 
the ropes are played out, the bullets been done, everyone's jumped off of everything, but a transcontinental race. And I managed to go this far without mentioning Steel Ball Run, so uh, there it is, Steel Ball no, Run. No, you I haven't. We it. said it at the start of the fucking review. <laughs> oh, fuck, I did? Okay. All right, so never mind. I was I was all smug right there, and I hadn't earned Great it. Great manga run, though. I, I uh, recommend it. Did you know that we like JoJo here? Oh, I want it first. I want it. Oh. I'm not saying that they shouldn't make part six, but I want I want Steel Ball Run first. Part six does have some of the most wackadoo stand shit he comes up with. You'll you'll have a good time. I'm I'm, I'm excited. For Except it. for oh um, man, I I will defend almost everything Iraqi's ever done, but. The first few chapters, and therefore first episode or two, of Stone Ocean, fair warning to the weebs of the world, are going to be fuck stupid. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of decisions made with womanly energy, so to speak. I, I sort of really like the idea that his editor just came to his house and slapped the shit out of him after the first two chapters. (laughs) What are you you thinking? (laughs) <laughs> because I do that is another little trope vignette whatever you want to call it that I hold very dear in my head is the angry editor showing up at the writer's door and slapping the shit out of them oh yeah dude we've written like two spec comedies together and you've pulled that one twice I, I, I love it I just think it's so fucking funny I, I love the idea of the beleaguered editor having to put up with the shitbag writer's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> and then deciding that they're not going to. I imagine that happened to one or two writers in either A1 or Trigger after the Darling and the Frank XXX. And I... speaking of shitting on that one show because I'll stop when I'm dead, we have a Trigger show on the docket. Yes, the uh, the latest Trigger show, uh, BNA, Brand New Animal. Um... Yeah, 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 it's a. Uh, trying to figure Which out what is the point or is not a furry show. There's uh, before we get into Schrodinger's furriness. It just hit me. I was about to go through the whole thing. Like, I don't see why you did the whole like. You know how Yahtzee Crossfire has that joke will make a vomit sound during a semicolon in a title. And then I got uh, the very yeah. basic pun of just BNA, DNA, and all this. Yes. It's cute, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun little. I'm pun. not always a smart guy, and Trigger draws very broadly, so not getting that almost makes me feel like a a sad creature. But broad concept, uh, world of X Men discrimination, but people turn into animals. Yeah, um, near as I can tell, um, because it wasn't it wasn't amazingly clear at first. I had to look it up. Is that um in this version of Earth, right? There's just a race of animal people who have always been near as I can tell um, or near as like I've read, the earth uh, and the always trees. been and have and, uh, and have and have just sort of been outed I guess to the world as having existed and the world reacted um, you know not great to this so they have their own city called Anima City which I don't know I've been around enough Final Fantasy in my <laughs> life where it does not come across as like a portmanteau of animal and city it just comes across as a you know, anima. My favorite of those, by the way, like all the anima aeons, whatever things, was there was one called Yojimbo in Final Fantasy X that you could pay money for him to clean up for you. <laughs> and that is one of the best currency sinks anyone has ever come up with in a video game. I remember playing Final Fantasy X and playing playing the summoner. That the, Yuna. Yuna, right? Yeah, she was the summoner, right? And then, like, summoning the wrath of ten different gods against this one shitty little fucking, like... 
miniature, you know, fifteen foot tall mecha or whatever, right? It's not you know, like someone's it's not even BMW. that amazingly. It's like someone's BMW and like ten different fucking gods couldn't get the job done. <laughs> uh, level um, scaling is great. Uh, against this fucking thing, but I'm uh, I'm getting off topics. The pros of this show, right? Oh, and like um. It's a mystery. It's a it's a, it's a kind of crime mystery sort of thing. The main character is um recently, you know, she has recently discovered that she is a uh, a beast beast man, beast kin, beast kin whatever. Uh, there's there's translation this whole stuff. almost coming out um, kind of thing going. Or there sort of isn't because uh I... or there's not. Okay, well we'll get to that. Hold on, I want to I want to hold off. Uh, I want to I want to ca- tackle the uh, the pros before we get to the cons because like because we did overall enjoy one this cons. one and I think it's going. Places yeah, I did like and... it. It has a lot of triggers, usual strengths in terms of, okay, so we're just full on in the pros now, I'm just going into it, but, you know, everything is very distinct in terms of style, like, it doesn't look like like a copy-paste of one of their old shows, but definitely has a lot of the sort of tricks they like to use from the Dead Leaves director, I always forget his name, but we directed, like, Dead Um, Leaves, Kill a Kill, all that business. Give me one sec. I've actually got the Wikipedia page open for this. Yo Yoshinari. Um... I believe that's or it. At least that's one for this series. I don't think he was actually involved. Oh, wait. Yeah, this one is... No, this guy was more involved in Gurun Lagan and Little Witch Academia. Again, two two very... Two other, you know... Things known oh, Kezuku, for how they look. Uh, Kazuki uh, Nakashima. Yeah. Um, yes. I guess they uh, all and, share and, a little like, yeah, this, this is a really... This is a really fucking good-looking show. Um, it, it loves its reds and blues, uh, above all else. Um, and it makes for a fun, really kind of like... Um, Noirish, cyberpunkish kind of. Oh yeah, it's got that magenta neon thing that's very in right now, and it does it well. Exactly. Yeah. I um. So I so I am into that. Uh, like the character design. It's got that thing where when Um, there's a fight, you lean in because you're gonna see some nice shots. Oh yeah, it's it's got like that thing that I'm always fucking saying where like whenever, whenever there's violence that occurs, it's got fucking weight to it. Like you, yeah. you kind of fucking believe every time a fucking punch lands, and you kind of you kind of feel that that happens, right? Yeah. Um, so so I, I was I, I'm pretty into that. Um, I like that there is a sphinx cat person. Um, I like sphinx the mayor cats a whole starts lot. out looking like fucking Cassandra Nova from the X Men, which makes her look very trustworthy. It doesn't telegraph anything they're probably gonna do with the plot. It makes me a little bit suspicious because I like I I saw her character I saw her delivering her lines and she's 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 a sphinx cat person and as I was saying I I fucking love those things yeah. they're so fucking ugly uh, they're yeah, so freaky sphinx cats they, are they one of God's better and they have to take jokes. no it was I like those um <laughs> no gods here only men <laughs> we did this I find armadillos very amusing looking I hope one of those comes up that's a good element of this show um. All of the main characters' powers are basically sight gags as well. Yeah, it's, it's fun. They uh, like uh, again, like all of the little gags in it are reliably good. Um, the way that you know you've you, uh, we've come to expect from uh from triggers uh from triggers output at this yeah. point. There's a fun little bit, and it's a blink and you'll miss it moment where uh, on a big uh TV screen, like a big LED screen somewhere out in like a town square or something like that. Um they're watching uh they're watching Inferno Cop. <laughs> oh yeah, that was really I really enjoyed that. That was that was fun. That was a nice um, little cameo. I'm and I'm kind of liking the sort of um 
it seems to be sort of like a Chinatown-esque noir mystery that is happening that they're that they're sort of uh, giving us with this one. That's gonna that's gonna be the sort of plot that strings us through this, um, which I. I'm always fucking in for a mystery. It's like it, it is a favorite genre of mine, and I don't actually see too many of them. I think it's why I liked. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's what drew me into Attack on Titan. Right backwards. It you know it, it takes longer. It ruins their mood. They mm. say I c- we could have um, made two Sandlers with this time. We just made a hundred million dollars of Trolls World Tour. Before we get to the things we don't like, something I'm just neutral about or just like to make fun of sometimes. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to oppress people with superpowers. It doesn't fucking work. <laughs> it never works. You just get fucking Magneto dropping fucking asteroid M on you. It goes one way. Um, and that actually leads us into um. Like, do do you know why the bullies of the world pick on disabled people? Because at least the reprisal is easier for them to deal with. <laughs> Like, if someone can fucking bounce around on their springtail and claw through steel, l- let it alone. Let it alone. Maybe pay them a dollar for a dollar. Mm. Now, you may have noticed that we went from, like, the X-Men kind of thing to a, to a gender thing, to a, to a third thing. And so does the show, because I do not know what is going on in the central metaphor here. Oh, God. So, yeah, here, the, the main con of the show, the main con of the show is that it's exhaustingly allegorical. Every fucking thing that seems to be happening is crying out to be interpreted in five different ways. And you've got people acting in a way that is coded to be, you know, some action that some, you know, member of some, you know, minority group um, acts or is acted upon by, you know, some bigot or another. And I, I can't fucking keep it straight. I don't know what any of this is supposed to be a metaphor for. I, I think they're supposed to be. LGBT, like I, I'm, I'm guessing. That's the. I'm guessing that the beasts can are supposed to be a metaphor for the LGBTQ population. That is the well like, they start they, like, in, and the one they draw through most commonly. But every now and then they will just dime stop, multi track drift into fucking racial territory. Or I guess you could say that there's just some. It's like some broader attempt to just sort of have them, um, to just have them represent, you know any given oppressed group, but you have to be fucking careful with that uh, because there's a whole lot of fucking moving targets involved with oppressed groups and with allegory in general. And if you use all of the shorthand that the show is using, um, I mean, the first and most obvious and fastest consequence you run into is that it gets, like, amazingly difficult to follow. Yeah. I actually think I had to, um, I just sort of go back and, um, I, I, I think I watched one of the episodes again. I watched one of the episodes again because I was so trying to follow <laughs> like what they were trying to say that I missed so, like half of what happened in that. Never thought you'd need episode. a close notes for a trigger show, huh? Right. Um. So maybe I'm just a fucking moron. You could um, be morons. It's like, not outside of the realm possibility. I could just be a moron, but I feel like this sort of deep metaphor and allegory that this show is, you know, sort of just absolutely like they layered it on like so fucking thick that it spills out the back of the sandwich while you're eating it. Um, it makes it sometimes kind of exhausting to watch. Um, I think what happens, or this is my private fucking writing theory. I think when it comes to allegories, there's a spectrum of risk, right? Mm-hmm. And basically when it, you can, you run the risk of either just sitting on the nose until it breaks on a topic or hitting the nonsense thing. 
And this one tilts a little towards nonsense. Not totally. Still a fun show. Still has, like... Yeah, I, I definitely ideas, say that it themes. has more good things than bad. Um, and, and, like, I I think I'm on this show's side. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on this show's side. Like, it seems to, like... The core conceit seems to be bigotry is bad. And I'm like, all right, I'm with you there. It's like, you know, we but can come you're together you're also there. trying to tell me 15 different other things. And I'm actually having a hard time keeping track of uh, of those um, of those little conceits. Yeah, there. Like, not conceits thank you, BNA. Those, um, I also am against both pogroms and human trafficking. Taking the big I don't know. stand. I think... <laughs> like, I'm not going to say that this, like... That this series is trying to score cheap heat or anything like that. Um, no, like, th- this is an appropriate time in, in history for a show like this. Yeah, it just keeps fucking happening. Unfortunately, every time in history is an appropriate time for a show like this. Yeah. Um, I think what I would much rather prefer is if, like, they've got 12 different things they're trying to say. If they stuck to, like, three... If they stuck to three for this show, um, and focused on those things, right, and did not code everything to be everything, like every single line of dialogue, it feels like in this show, uh, is coded one of twelve different ways to sort of evoke one of twelve different real world things and problems and you know feelings and uh, sentiments, right, um, and. That is what makes it so confusing for me, at the very least, to yeah, follow. Yeah, there's a is... real kaleidoscope of meaning thing happened, and I know how it fucking happened. I know why it's like this. Do you know why it's like this? It's you that? and me. It's our fucking fault. Because every time you watch a Trigger show, it's like, ah, 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 look at the sugar kid in the back, and now they're here. <laughs> seething and turning, saying, this show has meaning. It's saying things. You hear me, you fucks? It's saying all the things. This, this is literature. It's saying 15 things. And we blink at them twice um, and then say, hey, hey, fight scene key animation, go burr. <laughs> uh, and that's um, what worries me about this show, right? Is that this show, it's about things. And uh, A and T in about things are capitalized here. Uh, it is a show that is about things, and that worries me, because the last time Trigger made a show that was about things, uh, it ended up in space. Uh, <laughs> oh, doing, and how? like, dumbass Gurren Lagan shit, and um, everyone felt betrayed, and it was stupid, and it was remembered as one of the biggest fucking, like... Oh, I have seldom fucking seen... Fucking log plume drops in quality. I've seldom seen a cock-up like that, like... They opened with fucking Ava X Never Let Me Go and ended with, like, someone giving a third-hand description of the endings of Ava and Gurren Lagan after three shots of absinthe. It's and like, then they started doing kip-ups. I'm, I'm trying to trace a line from Gurren Lagan, right? Still getting next, but uh, we're... Um, it's it's the granddaddy, right? It's like it all it all comes from there, and of, of course, uh, even further back from from Evangelion. So we we have to sort of trace a line through those, right? Um, from Gurren Lagann in this point, or in this uh in this case, to Kill a Kill, um, and Gurren Lagann and Kill a Kill seem to have worked for the same reasons. They did a few things differently in um in Kill a Kill than they did with Gurren Lagann, but I think. The, the main takeaway is that everything was just kind of so fucking nuts in both series. It's kind of what helped them work. 
as uh, it's kind of what helped them both work as well as they did. Um, no- noise rock. On the record, I, I love both shows. I know few people like really do not like Gurren Lagann or Kill la Kill, and I and I respect them for never... their opinions. And when the holy war ends, the uh, children and the women will be spared. I've never, I've never quite understood. Well, I understand there are a few things that I can understand about not liking Kill a Kill. I don't understand why anyone doesn't like Gurren Lagann. I don't know. Have you ever woken up and thought, man, fun sucks. I hate fun. <laughs> I hate fun and practitioners of fun. All of those people but, can get well, fucked. Well, well, here's the thing. Um, Gurren Lagann and Kill a Kill worked for the same reasons. And then they tried to get Darling and the Franks to work for that same reason but you can't because you started in a completely different gear in a completely different place um you were acting like you were going to a completely different place um and so i'm thinking like all right we'll go there and then they just went back to girl lagan and kill a kill and we're thinking oh i'm i'm sorry this it's like this you can't just do that. Hey, you kids you kids know um, Quentin Tarantino, right? You enjoy your Quentin Tarantino. You know, two of his most successful films, Kill Bill Volume One and Kill Bill Volume Two, some similar strengths there because they're, you know, direct sequels to each other. Mm-hmm. If he had just walked that energy right into fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and they just started the fucking sword fights. I think, and, and the other thing, and it kind of goes back to what I was originally saying about, you know, this show being about things, is Exclamation that... Exclamation point. Yes. Gurren Lagann and Kill a Kill, I really, like, they used a whole bunch of symbolism and such. I think they're, like, they, they tie, I think they tie, like, some odd, like, Hindu mythology into it. Like, the Elite Four are based on gods of this one pantheon. I, I want to say it was either the Hindu or Buddhist pantheon. And that's, like, cool and stuff like that. But, like, there's not a whole lot beneath the surface of that show, which is fine. We were talking about it last time. Yeah, that's it's not fine. always that. Not everything's um, a philosophical because, like, text. Because sometimes the Flash can be the substance. Um, and it certainly fucking was, that was in some great terms flash. of Burn Lagan, which, you know, the moral of that show was believe in the me that believes in you. No, no, no. In fact, believe in the you that believes in you. And it's like, it's... it's it's like okay, it's fine. Sure, it's, okay, it's cool. It's don't like, it's, don't it's give fun. up. Fine. Um, I'm there. I'm there. Super robot. It's no. like, but like, beyond that, it's a it's it's a very simple show, uh, and it it did a whole lot with you know like what it gave itself, right? Um, and then, yeah, like we were saying, uh, Darling in the Franks tries to kind of give itself something more, and then discovers 17 episodes in that it has no idea what to do with it. Oh, man, um, I have not seen so a, a kid cry and pee like that since kindergarten. Or that one frat so party I'm, I went to. Or this I'm one guy at work. I'm deeply concerned. <laughs> I'm deeply concerned that Brand New Animal um, finds that it has no idea what to do with the really super fucking heavy and loaded topics that it has decided to tackle here. Um, and I'm like, I'm hoping that they're equipped for it this time. I'm hoping that they learn from, you know, <laughs> um, shooting the brand new animal goes turf. Oh God. <sighs> uh, pay money for that. I kind of want to see it, but yeah, as it stands though, BNA is in or a, just one character screaming to another animal. It's not a feeling. <laughs> 
Uh, oh god. I no, I like <laughs> werewolf exclusionary beast man activist. This strikes me as one of those really well-meaning shows, and they're trying. Like all sorts of points for trying. Um, Very hard really doing all its jumping and then, jacks. And then fucking somewhere through its runtime, it'll it'll happen. I'm like, I'm expecting it to. It'll trip the fuck over, you know, like an accidentally really fucking problematic opinion, and like that will fucking be it. Uh, and the series will be known for. For that fucking face plant that it thus does um, forever after. And I'm, I don't want it to happen. I, I do like this show. I do want to see it succeed. But having it be <sighs> this deeply about things and knowing Trigger's track record for about things. Um, mm. God, man, I don't know. <laughs> It's it's it's, it's like... Well, um. Hopefully there are some survivors. It's like watching a drunk clown... Um, on the tightrope with his little unicycle, uh, just swaying, you know, like to and fro. And you're like, think it's like, oh man, is he actually, maybe he's gonna. Seeing that fucking clown act, or at least videos of that in my youth, really taught me a lot about people and what's wrong with them. (laughs) But the fate of BNA is a problem for the future. It's in a decent place for now. And like global warming, we can just pretend that wall isn't coming until we run smack dab into it at which point i will presumably return to the conniptions of rage that i just have thrown at darling in the fran xx uh it could happen oh, I... Man, I remember i was so fucking salty about that thing i made that one sticker promoting this podcast that said trigger has a minor league batting average <laughs> god which is while I, ruthless um... one of my favorite burns I've ever come up with but we still love you maybe for now. We are a capricious lot, fandoms. We truly are. We truly are. Poor Star Wars. You'll notice that I didn't talk about the furry thing. Super not gonna. I... This has been Weeaboo <laughs> Hell. It's Weeaboo <laughs> Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. <laughs> so two furries walk into a bar, right? Actually, nah, still not doing it. Have a good one.